0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: What game do you play?
0: My name is Ruth Hearn. I'm a tennis mom.
2: I'm from Bangkok, Thailand. My name is Kirsty Hearn. I'm a tennis player, and I'm from Dallas,
0: Texas. We are, we are on a journey, journey with, Neville with Neville D'Angelo.
3: This is Don Fletcher, and I am on a journey with Neville D'Angelo. Uh, this is David Harlow, and
4: I am also from Dallas, Texas. And I'm on the journey with Neville D'Angelo.
1: I am your host, Neville D'Angelo. Today we are exploring games men play in coffee shops. Mind games? (laughs) Mind games you say? Okay, give it to me.
2: Mind game number one, my ex broke my heart and I'm just so torn up about it. It's going to take me some time before I can consider making a commitment. Mind game number two, my parents are divorced and I'm afraid to commit right now. Mind game number three, I just want to live together first. Mind game number four, I'm still good friends with my ex. Mind game number five, you're just so lucky to have me.
1: Okay, I get it. Games men play to avoid commitment. However, this is not the Data to Dump Him show. That's coming up in a few weeks. On the journey, we meet fascinating people with intriguing stories and novel solutions to life's tricky problems. And today we're exploring the games men play in coffee shops. Uh, let me ask this. Why do we play games? Well, what game do you play?
3: I was in the Starbucks... Um couple years ago getting my coffee and I uh saw David and John playing backgammon so I felt compelled to go over there and uh <laughs> see uh what was going on see uh if I could talk to these guys and um and uh maybe uh, get in a game
1: but why were you guys playing backgammon I
3: mean, in Starbucks you know, I actually don't really remember why
4: and how we started, but we did. Uh, John and I have known each other for many, many years. Uh, we were both...
1: And that's John, not Don. John,
4: yeah. is right. right. Before Don. Right? <laughs> John and I were both massage therapists, so we've known each other for a decade or more. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's a couple of decades, but anyway, <laughs> and then... Well, uh, were you guys
1: playing Star- in Starbucks that long, or you just no, knew no, each other? No, we knew yeah. each other for right. a long time, right.
4: and then uh, I left, and then I came back uh, six years later, and our paths crossed again, mm-hmm. and uh, at that time I came back, I had studied acupuncture, and I was starting a practice, and he happened to be working with the guy who... Was very influential in getting me to study acupuncture. He was doing his massage out of the ac- that acupuncturist's mm-hmm. office. The long and short of it was, we both wound up also working at the acupuncture school mm-hmm. together. We would get together uh, once a week or so, mm-hmm. and because I suppose, if nothing else, just the stress level of what are we going to do with the economy the way it was, with our own personal situation, and we had all this time on our hands.
1: And this is not the economy as it is now, this was a different time?
4: This is about 05.
1: 05, okay, yeah. right, mm, okay. And I remember
4: Don, when he first showed up, mm-hmm. he stood there and looked at us, and then he came over and he said something to the like, well, you know, there's a... Backgammon club and where it was and that's so right. on and and John and I actually went over there and of course we got trounced, <laughs> but that's how we met. We met Don at uh, Starbucks and and it uh,
3: turns out we had some uh, acquaintances that we knew between us. Roy Williams. Yeah,
4: Roy Williams goes back. Wow, that's to the early eighties when I first moved out here. So we knew here. the same people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's
3: interesting how. Uh, how that goes? But no anyway. no,
1: for so so those of the audience who don't know anything about backgammon, so what's the principle behind the game?: I'll The main
3: principle in my uh, opinion is it, it's a game, first of all, um, historically speaking, is, if I'm not mistaken, it's one of the oldest, if not the oldest one of the oldest one known the, games, one, one of, of the, the oldest known games in history, that older was. than chess are older yeah. than chess. There they're backgammon, there are backgammon games boards that they discovered in ancient Mesopotamia that they they had the board is the same, but of course there is no rules to go along. So we're not sure how they play the by the rules, but the game mm-hmm. the board is there. So the game is ancient, is older than chess. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what it does is that it combines strategy, and luck together. Mm-hmm. Whereas chess is pure strategy. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Backgammon, since it's played with dice, mm-hmm. you move your men around mm-hmm. the board and you remove the men from the board at the end and whoever removes their checkers first wins the game. Mm-hmm. But with because of the dice, and it's the strategic how you move the men around and how you block your opponent, but the dice adds in an element of chance. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it so popular, because you can be way ahead of the game on certain path to victory, and with one roll of the dice totally flip it and lose the game. It sounds like life, huh? Yeah. And so um that's probably what makes it so popular. That's mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. I like it.
1: Well so is it popular or is it um uh,
3: it used to be in the seventies. It used to
4: be much more popular than yeah. it is now. Uh but and actually I'd like to add one little thing to, to the historical note. Uh I believe backgammon is a sort of a genre because there there's a game in China and Japan Mm -hmm. that is similar but different. And I think backgammon came out of this sort of melting pot back in those days. The origins of uh, those cultures out there Mm -hmm. shared a similar game and they took it in different directions. So So, uh, they all have pieces and they're using a board, but uh, as we went towards uh, Africa and the West, Mm-hmm. It became backgammon, and what remained in Asia and the Orient became uh the Japanese call it go or we call it go, and the Chinese call it Wei Chi mm-hmm. and there are no dice involved; those are strategy games, mm-hmm. and maybe somehow between the two those chess grew up, I don't know, but the the Wei Chi and Go are fascinating games and a lot of strategy, and mm-hmm. very simple it's just uh board with spots on it, and you have so many pieces, mm-hmm. and you try to, sur- have you ever played it? You try to yes. surround your opponent by placing your pieces.
1: And what is it called again?
4: Uh, the Japanese name is Go, Go as something in G-O. like that. as G-O, that's what oh. we call it, probably in Japanese it's pronounced differently. Different. Right. In, in Chinese, again, pronunciation is very important, but as close as I can come is Wei-Chi. It's like wei chi in acupuncture is the defensive Qi, like the immune system, right, right. and it's a battle game. So I'm right. assuming wei chi uh, has to do with the defensive offensive game. Right. The
3: nature of so it.
1: for you guys, is it is it a stress reliever or is this a social um, uh, the center of a social gathering, or what is the game to you?
3: For me, it's a social gathering, and, and you know, social gatherings are naturally stress relieving. But that's not why I <laughs> that's not why I play. I play because it's just super fun to play, and uh, you don't get a lot of chance to play.
1: Whether we're talking mind games, board games, electronic games, physical games, political games, childish games, religious games, or whatever games you play, let's see if we can uncover something valuable, insightful, or revealing about why we play these games. Let me ask again. Why do you play? Well, we all play to scratch some itch, but what is the real motivation? Well-known experts such as Mark LeBlanc and Ian Schreiber have discovered that it is much more complex than just having fun. And I'm pretty sure you'll not be surprised by what is included on their lists. The sensation of pleasure, escaping into a make-believe world, the competition, Exploring uncharted territory, getting on your soapbox, the social experience, networking and bonding, discovery, collecting things, exercising the mind, or just a mindless pastime. Hardly surprising, isn't it? Still quite revealing. By the end of the show, I think we will discover something even deeper, the four hierarchical reasons why we play games, regardless of what kind of game, or who is playing the game. Uh, Perhaps it will answer a very intriguing question a student asked. But why do we play games in coffee shops? Did you just happen to hear that person mumbling, I don't play games? Well, that's what we call one of the three lying games. We all play games. But... Sometimes we get locked into a certain kind of game and have been locked down for so long, we lose track of how we got so invested. Well, you might have already guessed something else. There is much more to all of our guests than that first glance. I think it is time we begin to discover more of their stories. Let's spend a moment with our tennis mom. She also happens to be someone who created and developed a few games you might well have played or are playing. Let's meet her.
0: Um, I came here to the U.S. Uh, when I was 19. Uh-huh. And at that time, I really want to come study in the U.S. because uh, we all know that when you earn the education, in the U.S., mm-hmm. the value of your degree is much higher mm-hmm. than in Thailand. Mm-hmm. So uh, I decided by myself to come here to study. And I studied petroleum engineer. I mm-hmm. have a bachelor and master's degree. Mm-hmm. I went to school in Louisiana, and uh, called Louisiana Tech University, mm-hmm. that uh, they have this major that really is strong.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And after that, uh, I Start started working in the petroleum engineering field for a while and it was very difficult for women back then because this is the major for men right. only right. and I believe I'm probably the only one student woman in the whole department. Really?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But you know, I love math so mm. I did really well and mm. after that I was training at the offshore uh, mm-hmm. drilling for mm-hmm. a while and it was great experience, mm-hmm. but you're the only one woman in the oil rig, <laughs> so it's kind of everybody uh, look at you very strange right, but I would say um, you just act normal and you'll be one of them after why they get used to it
1: <laughs> <laughs> now now I, I know that you um you developed some games uh, somewhere along the line. How did you transition from petroleum engineering? Into game developing,
0: um, the oil industry crashed. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. I think around 1989, 1990, mm-hmm. and pretty much, you know, job is disappear. Mm-hmm. So I pretty good with the computer mm-hmm. and uh, doing business. Mm-hmm. So I just got a different career and start working. And then the company that I work with, we developing all the uh, games for the mobile device, cell phone, PDA and all of that. And cool. we also uh launched all these games uh through Japan and mm-hmm. Germany as well and in the US.
1: I know known Miss Ruth for, for quite a while, uh as long as I known Kirsty. Uh Miss Ruth is also uh obviously a tennis mom. She's <laughs> Kirsty's mom. What is it like being a, a tennis mother?
0: Well when they were young um
1: and when you say they, Kirsty has a oh, brother oh, oh. who also um uh played tennis. Uh you, go ahead.
0: I was working uh for the corporate and the port, you know, it's a nine to five job mm. and it's very difficult to take care of your job really well as well as you have to take care of your children and they were still young. Mm. Mm, maybe uh, three years old for Kirsty and Kirill, which is uh, her older brother, mm-hmm. is three and a half year older. Mm. So they probably start first grade and all that. Mm-hmm. At some point, I have to decide, uh, you're going to take care of your children full time or you're going to work and make a lot of money. <laughs> so I have to cut down on making the money and sacrifice, you know, to be a good mom. Right. And pretty much you kind of uh, cut down the percentage of work and then slowly. Uh gearing to take care of them and you know take them to tennis mm-hmm. after school and take them to tournament during the weekend
1: right but but uh Christy was homeschooled or 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 was she in uh public school
0: well, actually, she started school at eighteen months, ah. believe or not. And uh I sent her uh they call Montessori right. school right I know about this. uh which is really good uh they're teaching all the motor skill preparation young kids for the first grade level, mm. so she was at school from eighteen months on, and I was still working for the company mm. uh in corporate role until uh she starts like around eight that mm. I have to decide you know you mm. want to spend more time with them and then I have to kinda of, uh cut down on the job.
1: Mhm. So, so so, you taught her... At, so she, w- she went through Montessori completely until her graduation or... Uh,
0: she gone through Montessori until probably around four or five. And right. then she went to the private school mm. uh, until around 10th grade. And mm-hmm. then toward the ninth and 10th grade, she... Decided she really liked tennis. Right. And we discussed about it, and then she showed that she wants to pursue her tennis career. And that's what they um, pretty much, you know, uh, do a little bit less school and huh. do more tennis.
1: Let me take a moment here to give a shout out to the Woodrow Wilson basketball players. I just had the privilege of being their guest, speaking to them about that all important. And a tricky transition from varsity to professional career or college. Hi, guys. Uh, shout out also to Tara and Reverend Andrew Forrest of Monger Place Church who convened the event. In a few weeks, we'll do a series on the business of sport and we'll be gathering a number of the experts from the various fields uh, to dive into this issue. Okay. Uh, so, Ms. Ruth, uh, what advice would you give to parents who whose children are interested in becoming professional tennis players?
0: Well, with my own experience, I have both son and daughter, and they're both really good uh, at the young age in tennis, mm-hmm. so I took them to the U.S. Open mm-hmm. and bought them the best seat, front row, so they can see the real professional player play in mm-hmm. the big Stadium. Mm-hmm. So Kirsty and Chiro went to the U.S. Open and get to see Agassiz mm-hmm. and all the big name on the opening day. Mm-hmm. And after we came back from the trip, mm-hmm. I asked them the question, "What do you think about becoming tennis player mm-hmm. as a career?" And of course. My son should say, no, mommy, it's too much stress. I cannot handle it. And that is the answer from him at about 14. Right. But Kirsty, about 11, she just came back and she said, I love it. I want to be a tennis player. Right. And this is the real-life experience that you hear the crowd applaud, child music, play, and everything. Right. So I would think the first step is they have to have a real estate experience to know what their life will be, look like if they chose to choose a uh, tennis mm-hmm. as a career. Okay. And then the second thing is you always have to teach them to work hard. Mm-hmm. Every day they have to work hard and it's a career that is never stopped. Just like if you in the computer programming, mm-hmm. you always learn new things every day. Mm-hmm. So tennis is the same thing. You always have to train and work hard every day. Doesn't matter what ranking you're going to have, even you're number one in the world, Mm. everybody work hard. And it's a very, very tough job, Mm. actually, because you have to be in the hot sun, you have to be in the cold weather, Mm. and no matter what, you have to be at the core.
1: Hey, Kirsty. It's really nice to have you back, and I'm glad that you've decided to come on the program with us. Uh, tell us what's been going on. Um,
2: I've just started playing women's professional tournaments, and it's a very different experience from when I was playing junior U.S. tournaments.
1: Uh, how is it different?
2: Well, the junior U.S. tournaments—they have a lot of good players, but it's mostly only if you play. Uh, national tournaments and Uh I was mostly playing state tournaments Uh so it was much easier for me to win tournaments and win rounds and when I started playing the women's professional tournaments because we have lots of college players and Mm -hmm. players that go to academies so they're all very good um, players.
1: (laughs) Great, 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 great. How was it? Are you enjoying the experience?
2: Yes, I am. I love traveling, and mm. even though I go to some countries that aren't very nice, I <laughs> still appreciate the whole experience of meeting new people and coaches and going to new uh, tennis sites and playing different people. Right.
1: You, you want to tell us some of the countries that you've enjoyed going to.
2: Um. Um, My parents took me around to travel a lot on vacation when we were young, Mm -hmm. so uh, I've experienced a lot of new countries, and one of my favorite countries to go to is Brazil. Ah. Uh, I've only been to Rio de Janeiro, but I liked it a lot, Uh and I love being by the beach and having coconuts and seeing new places. (laughs) It's a lot of fun, and I also like going to Europe a lot. Uh Um, I think my favorite country so far is Finland. Mm-hmm. Even though it's very cold, uh, I was lucky to go at a nice time, mm-hmm. so the weather was very cool and it only rained for about one day mm-hmm. and I got to see a lot of uh, pretty buildings and have nice fish while I was there <laughs> and uh, meet nice people, so it was a fun experience. and Everyone spoke English, which really? was great, because right. I'm not very good at adapting uh, to new languages.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that, 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 that's uh, we'll talk about the languages in a, in a moment, uh, but what part of Finland did you go to?
2: Uh, we went to Helsinki. Uh huh. Yes, and we were lucky to stay at the Helsinki Hotel. So uh. <laughs> we got a great view of the lake and sea. And we went around and we talked to many people to find out directions and different places we should see. And they're all very talkative and friendly, just like in the South. Mm-hmm. So I loved being there, and the food was great, and the prices were really good, unlike most places in Europe.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, so, who are your favorites in the Australian Open?
2: Well, I think my number one favorite would be Serena Williams. Even though I know she hasn't been playing that many tournaments, she's always a big hitter, and she gets better with each round in the mm-hmm. tournament. So mm-hmm. I think she has a great chance of winning, especially with her big serve and big forehand and being on hard court. Mm-hmm. I think she's a really good fighter, so I think she might win.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, two other good competitors I think might have a chance of winning is uh, Petra Kvitova and Sam Stozer. Mm. I think they're both big hitters, and Kvitova has a big advantage with her left-handed serve and forehand, and she's very quick to move to the ball, so I think she has a good chance of uh, being uh, competitive in the tournament. Samantha Stozer is uh, great at hitting spin forehands and kick serves, so I think she could do really well on the... Uh, Australian Open, mm-hmm. and she's already done really well before, so I think she uh, could have a chance of winning it, mm-hmm. and she's also a great uh, competitor. Uh,
1: just as we were talking here, Kirstie's mom um, gave me uh, some muffins that you made, Kirstie. Uh, I was just about to take a bite of it on the air, and you can tell me, uh oh Yeah, I'm, I'm eating. Uh, give me a chance here, and it is good. I'm not saying it's good because it's crusty. It really is good. And um, so, did you do this? When did you do this?
2: Uh, I made it. In- Two days ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, and
2: uh, one of our very close friends taught me how to make banana muffins, and mm. she came over to help me. Mm-hmm. We had a little bit of a problem because we lost the scale for it, so we kind <laughs> of had to guess how much to measure with uh, using cups instead of grams. It so was a little difficult, but since she was there, she... Uh, save the muffins. Mm. And I think mine always turn out a little bit overdone. Well, these are not overdone. These were pretty pretty good. Yeah, but when they came out, they weren't as thick as mine, so I wondered if I've been making it wrong all this time. (laughs) And she said they're not supposed to be that way, so now I'm kind of worried. But everyone says they taste good still. I love them. I guess they're okay both ways. Thank you so
1: much. Thank you. One of the things we do on the journey is the intriguing characters of three books, uh, Sounds Bite Life, Flight of the Fused Monkeys, and Innocent, A Time to Begin Again, all three of which you can get from Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, for your Kindle, or your Nook, your iPhones, or any of your smart uh, reading devices. I have been asking uh, my guests to answer a question that is based upon what the sage in a soundbite life uh, said the sage said everyone living long enough will slip and fall into a deep hole and get stuck and look up for help three hands will appear the hand of a hustler the hand of a riddler and the hand of a clown choose wisely or be buried there The question I ask my guests is this. Which hand will you choose? So, Ms. Reed, which hand would you choose and
2: why?
0: I will choose the hustler. And the reason, in my mind, as I interpret it, he or she will do whatever it takes to pull me up, even though she might think or he might think that I'm not going to make it, I might be too heavy, I might be too deep. So I would say the husband is the one that will work very hard to make it
1: good to good. happen. Alright. And uh, Kirsty, which one would you choose?
2: I would choose the Riddler's hand. Because uh, I think somebody that does riddles should be wise Mm -hmm. and be able to think on their feet quickly. So Mm -hmm. even if there's something very difficult he has to do to get me out of the hole, I Mm -hmm. think he'd be able to think of it quickly Mm -hmm. in order to pull me out because he's quick on his feet. So I think I'd choose him over the other two because I don't think the other two are very quick-witted to pull me out.
0: I'm heavy, you know. I'm fat and heavy, so I need somebody that will not give up and let me go down <laughs> after I grab a Well, it's bad. not
2: just the motivation that will get you out. It's somebody that knows how to get you out. I mean, you can pull and pull, but if you're stuck and he doesn't know how to get you unstuck, then you're just going to die anyway. The riddler will find out. He might be weak, but he'll find out in two seconds how to pull you out. If your foot's stuck in a rock, then he'll know how to pry the rock off your foot, so... I'm surviving, you're dead.
0: Well, let's see. Who's going to get out of the hole at the end?
2: (laughs) Let's see which one Neville agrees with. Well,
1: I'm I'm not going to decide. We have to go
0: down the hole and find those guys.
1: Our standing question today is what game do you play? And through the stories of our guests, uh, we hope to uncover the four deepest reasons why we all play games. As I mentioned, there's much more to our guests than what might appear on face value. Our next guest today is Don Fletcher. Uh, Before we get Don back to the mic, uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, my supernatural uh, friends—they're probably all excited now. They were on my show uh, a few weeks back, and will be back on my show again here in March. Uh, uh, supernatural won two People's Choice Awards for drama and for fantasy sci-fi. Uh, yeah. Um,
3: I'm from Dallas, Texas, originally, and I. I studied acting in uh, college and a little graphic design afterwards, and I'm living back here in Dallas after living in New York and Ohio uh, previously. I study philosophy and spirituality, and I mostly um, do that and meditate and play back in and with David. Good. So what ever happened to acting? Well, I put that on the back burner so uh, to see if I might be interested in screenplay uh, writing. But I don't know what I want to do anymore. <laughs> I'm not interested in as much as I was previously in those things.
1: Well, but can you tell us what, what, what the change was, what drew you towards acting, and what took you away from it?
3: Well, I can't tell you what took me away from it. I just, I'm not as interested, but I always wanted to... Uh, I was always interested in the arts. So I uh, I was in all the plays in high school and um, I always did some sort of artistic thing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be uh, um, in uh, plays and movies when I was a kid. Uh-huh. And so that's what got me interested in it. I've never done movies or television. I've only done stage theater mm-hmm. and I find that the most rewarding because of the community mm-hmm. of people that you uh that you make when you're when you're in a stage production and there's something very special about doing a play live with a group of people mm-hmm. every night and mm-hmm. the freshness and the you know it, that you can't get other places
1: any theaters that I know
3: um, the only thing that I've done here in Dallas, when I moved back ten years ago, I did a play at the Pocket Sandwich Theater.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: The uh, popcorn corn right, throwing plays. Right, place, right, I love it. Where it's all uh, farce and melodrama, and the audience is encouraged to um, yell at the uh, at, at the actors on stage, <laughs> right, right. and the actors are encouraged to yell back <laughs> right. at the audience. <laughs> right. And when you go into the theater, there is a big popcorn machine and and all the people that come in to see the play are given bags of popcorn right. and mostly the kids, they get all the popcorn, they sit up front and they throw popcorn at you, and which is really fun actually and for me in particular because I uh, played the bad guy so of course I got all the popcorn thrown <laughs> at me in particular and that was really fun.
1: Well I can tell you the times that I've gone there, all those kids look like adults to me who are throwing popcorn. Yeah, the kids are <laughs> beer that accounts for some of the
3: uh... one of the reasons why I play backhand is that my mother was a professional backhand player Actually, uh-huh. yeah. in the seventies that's a big thing. And uh early eighties here in Dallas, um they had tournaments every month. Oh. It was um major popular, at one time there was probably three or four backgammon clubs in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Um, They still have tournaments all around the country Mm -hmm. and um, there's probably five or six tournaments in Vegas and different parts of the country. Mm -hmm. There's a world championships in Monte Carlo every year. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of the um, international players, um, for whatever reason, um you know either live or play here in Dallas oh, okay. um, so, um there is a um, um there's a, there's a player Malcolm David out oh, okay and he's a friend of uh mine and my mother's he lives here in Dallas and um he's a world class uh player mm. and um I would uh, she got me a job when I was a kid Uh, keeping score for the backgammon tournaments. I would, you know, uh, write down all, you know, I would keep the uh, tournament um, charts, you know. And uh, one of the reasons why backgammon is so interesting, also, for whatever reason, uh, the people that play backgammon are notorious for being characters, for being very interesting. Mm -hmm. And that's one reason why when I saw David and John, I wanted to meet them, because... I've had this experience before in New York where um, I met some people playing backgammon, and they're always having some interesting, crazy story. There's These people are notorious for being very... In New York, there was a couple of people at a, at a restaurant playing backgammon uh, where I ate lunch every day, and I introduced myself to them and told them that I used to play for many years and all this and that, and they uh, welcomed me to play with them, and it turned out that... Um, that were, they were involved with this um gambling club over on the east side and they you know allowed me to come over there and visit them and and these are professional gamblers you know <laughs> and and you go in there and you know and and they have private chefs that are cooking lobster and they got TVs going on with the sporting events i mean this is and very interesting and um and so for example when i was uh, uh keeping score for the backgammon tournaments you always had this is back in the 80s, you always had some sort of guy, usually from the Middle East, who was some prince of some sort, who uh, was, was always doing something crazy. And I, one time I saw this guy, they were playing a, a game, and they were playing a money game, and uh, he lost. And uh, in order to pay off his opponent, he pulled out a pouch with jewels. I was in a
4: poker game once where a guy pulled a gun out, but that's, that's, about, that's about it for me. <laughs> I mean, gamblers tend to be characters anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but we're we're characters in different ways. Like John has a uh, an antennae that goes out into the cosmos. And he,
1: John like, or Don. John. John. Poor and, John isn't here to he,
4: defend himself. He, <laughs> he psychically manipulates, dies through some kind of force field. I mean, uh, we have come to uh, make John's name into a verb because when something happens, We've been jawned.
3: (laughs) It's true. We're not kidding. He really does. I mean, if someone goes on on a a two-week streak of good dice or a month-long streak or a two-month-long streak of good dice, okay, you can imagine that's statistically possible. But for someone to go on a three-, four-, five-year streak of constant awesome dice, Mm -hmm. that's amazing. Something is Psychically happy happening, I swear. See, I,
4: I, we. When John and I used to get together to play, this is before Don got there, uh, I actually have to admit, my ego got the best of me, and I got so frustrated I wasn't going to play anymore, because it was almost impossible to win from, against this guy. So I gave him my backgammon said I didn't want it anymore. I just gave it to him because I didn't, if, if I have to carry it, I'm throwing it away. I'm, I'm not having anything to do with that. And for a period of time, I almost gave up the game. And actually, when Don joined us, it was he, he rescued the game for me. But I have to tell you the way he's reacting when I mentioned John, <laughs> and I'm telling you it it it's unreal. It's unreal. It is, he, it is unreal. He, he, he goes on streaks. Of course, he loses also, but the odds of winning the way
3: he wins are unnerving. You know? And it's not just getting doubles. Like, that's the typical good luck. You get a lot of doubles.
1: Have you checked his die, or are you guys using the same you die? Use the same <laughs> die. It
3: doesn't, <laughs> what, it doesn't matter what the die. It's getting it. in and out of situations. It's rolling the right thing at the right time. It's really... Amazing and at first it's amusing. It's like wow, this is very interesting. What are the odds? Then it becomes frustrating. You go through the whole <laughs> grief period. You know, you know the, the thing about the, uh, the, 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 the 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 stages of grief: denial, <laughs> deny, anger, denial. You know, the you know the Yeah, you go through the whole thing and then and then acceptance and then back again to anger and denial. And, because sometimes it's like, why play if you have no chance to win? That's exactly what. It and to so it's it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm, okay. It is amazing.
1: We're exploring why men play games in coffee shops.
3: Well, uh, I've been meditating for 35 years, and I've been uh, studying and researching spirituality uh, for 35 years. I read voraciously everything, Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, Western mystery, tradition. Why? Everything. Why do you do this? Because to me it's the most interesting topic in the world. You know, why are we here? Mm -hmm. Is there life after death? Is there such a thing as uh, extrasensory perception? You know, what is the meaning? You know, all those great questions. I mean, to me, that's just super fascinating. What is truth? Is there truth?
1: David Tarlo is the son of Holocaust survivors from Poland. He was born in Israel and at 12 years old, moved to the United States. David is not only an ardent backgammon player, amongst other interests, he's an acupuncturist and an artist. So, David, why acupuncture?
4: Um, well, why acupuncture? Acupuncture accesses different, let's say, fields or levels than other med- medicines do. And basically, uh, the principles, and I'll keep it very short, <laughs> the principles are as long as your chi is flowing, mm-hmm. that means it's it's not blocked mm-hmm. anywhere along mm-hmm. the meridians. And those mm-hmm. are a uh, uh, network of channels and what they call collaterals that basically make a sort of stocking mm-hmm. uh, or an envelope for our Form for Mm -hmm. our body. Mm -hmm. Uh, As long as the energy flows through the channels, then whatever may occur has the opportunity to correct itself or unoccur. Really, (laughs) there's such a word. So as long as you keep the energy moving, if you have an injury, Mm -hmm. and you keep the energy moving, that injury too will move on. Okay. Will just dis- be dispersed. Really? In fact, mm-hmm. in in medical some medical translation, dispersing a point is an actual description medical term. Um, acupuncture is part of the Oriental medical system. It's not the medical system by itself. It's mm-hmm. part of uh, diet, herbs exercise, lifestyle, and so on, including how you think and so on, including uh, what you inherit from your parents and so on. Mm -hmm. So acupuncture is really only one part, but in in the Western sphere of medicine, it can augment, uh, it can supplement what Western medicine does, Mm -hmm. which is Mostly medicate okay. or cut.
1: And, and, and just for my audience, uh, let me just say that um, this is, of course, not a medical show. He's just sharing uh, his knowledge. What's
4: Qigong? Oh, you don't know what Qigong is? Uh, I the, don't know Qigong by basically no. means uh, energy sport or energy exercise. Uh, Qi is energy right, and Gong right. is... Probably more the way of, but uh, it, it's typically seen as exercise or uh, right. uh, actually that like when at the school that I was at, mm. they had they had a qigong team. Right. Uh, schools have qigong teams that like here we have oh, football teams, right, 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 and they compete right. across yeah. the yeah. nation yeah. and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the qigong. Mm-hmm. uh gong fu right. is the martial arts is mm-hmm. what you do mm-hmm. with the exercise qigong is the internal you're exercising your internal chi
1: mrs I, I know that uh you you've taken Kirsty uh to do acupuncture can you tell us why you cho- chose that uh, um that form of uh medical attention for uh, for whatever problem she was facing
0: uh Kirsi was playing tennis a lot and then we start having lower back pain and also neck pain. So I have her uh visit the doctor while we were in Thailand and we have a x ray on her uh bone mm-hmm. and and there were nothing wrong with the bone mm-hmm. so we realized that it's a muscle mm-hmm. issue mm-hmm. and from where I grew up, and I'm from Asia, so we all know that uh acupuncture is one way of uh helping to release on your muscle mm-hmm. and I have uh done acupuncture on myself already, mm-hmm. so I know it's okay and safe enough you know that you're willing to take your shy mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. so we came back to Dallas, and I have a very good friend that they uh having practice in the acupuncture and mm-hmm. they're really good, they're from Taiwan. So I took her and then the first visit when we doing the acupuncture, mm-hmm. is immediately help her lower back pain and her neck pain and mm-hmm. that's why we keep continue doing mm-hmm. for a while.
1: Okay. Well, Kirstie, uh, uh, I'm going to ask you, so what is it like um, uh, experiencing acupuncture?
2: Um, At first, I was a bit scared because I don't like needles like most people, but I don't have a big fear, it's just I was a little worried about how it would go. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first time, I did just my back, and there was quite a few needles in there, I think I put at least she put at least twenty. Twenty needles? Yeah, twenty needles. They're very small but you do feel them when she puts them in and there's many different types of acupuncture. Mm -hmm. So that time I just put the needles in and I didn't use any of the electric shock. So did you
1: put the needles in or did they put the needles in?
2: Oh, she put the needles in. Oh, okay. No, that's okay. No, that's okay. Um, She put the needles, like twenty needles in my back And um, she didn't put any, like, electric shock for it. Mm -hmm. It was just putting the needles in and leaving it to release the pressure, I think. Mm -hmm. And it felt better after that time, but there was some pain Mm -hmm. when she put the needles in. It wasn't a sharp pain, but you could feel it Mm -hmm. every time she put it in. Mm -hmm. Um, And the second time, I think I did my back and my neck. And I think we also did just the needles Mm -hmm. uh, for that. Mm -hmm. And then I think by the third time she told me she has this new method that they use to release the knots in your back and your neck and different parts of your body. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they take a very small needle Mm -hmm. and they push it into your knot. And Mm -hmm. then they pull it out quickly, and then they suck the blood inside the knot. Because Mm -hmm. they explain that's bad blood in your body, Mm -hmm. and that's what creates the knots. Mm -hmm. So you need to suck the blood out, Mm -hmm. otherwise it'll just stay there. Mm -hmm. And even though I've gotten massage many times and tried to work out those knots, Mm -hmm. it just didn't help at all, Mm -hmm. and they just kept coming back. So Mm -hmm. once I did this, they were gone completely. Really? Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I did it on my back first, and it was... A Lot of pain actually, like when she put it in, I was just screaming with pain, <laughs> like almost crying because uh-huh. it hurt so bad. Right. And we did, I think, at least two of them, mm-hmm. so that was pretty painful. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I, I need to do one more, I need to do one more. And I'm like, No, <laughs> stop it, get away. <laughs> and then I was like crying, like, Ma, I want to go back. But Sorry. then the pain went away, so of course, we went back another 20 times. <laughs> neck and for some reason the neck didn't hurt Mm. it just felt really good Mm -hmm. when she did it so Mm. the pain would just be gone immediately but the back for some reason was more sensitive Mm -hmm. and maybe i don't know less muscle or something so it just hurt more Mm -hmm. and uh, i went back many times because the pain just kept coming back and more knots kept coming back but like once you put the needle in they go away but i get new knots again
1: so what was causing these new knots? Is, is it?
2: I didn't know at the time that uh, I was out of alignment. Mm-hmm. So that was actually the real problem that I had all these knots next to my back because mm-hmm. my pelvis wasn't uh, equal and in, in the same height. Mm-hmm. So I went later on to a doctor and he told me that I was out of alignment. Then I went to physical therapy and I um, got corrected on my alignment, and then I did exercises to fix that, and I'm still struggling with that right now. Mm -hmm. But uh, once I got put back in alignment, a lot of my back pain was gone. Mm -hmm. So the acupuncture did help the knots I had, Mm -hmm. but it didn't fix the problem. Mm
1: Okay.
2: Yeah, it didn't fix the cause.
1: Through these stories of my guests, I'm attempting to explore the games men play. Uh, this grew out of a very serious question one of my athletes posed to me during one of our in depth sessions. David Tarlo is an artist specializing in sculpture, painting, photography, and jewelry. You'll find a few images of his art on the Journeys blog. Click on the link or go to Matchbox Mystery dot wordpress.com. That is
4: matchboxmystery.wordpress.com dot wordpress.com.
1: What drew you into art?
4: Uh I was born that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um I grew up in a very sparse environment in the desert, mm-hmm. not a whole lot of scenery. Mm-hmm. Uh and we had uh two Three books in particular that I spent my time as a toddler looking at. One was the works of Michelangelo. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: One was the works of uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Mm -hmm. And the third was a medical text that my dad was using because he was a uh, registered nurse. He was becoming a registered nurse. Mm -hmm. And I used to, in particular, look at uh, photographs of step-by-step birth of a baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh i think i was just born this way
1: can you talk to us about your piece the agony
4: this sculpture began at my uh during my last semester at the university of texas in austin art department uh there was a conflict uh, between me and the sculpture instructor he gave me an f but that had a lot to do with some politics of the department and in part, at that time, I was—I didn't tell you that earlier. Uh, I was uh, the art critic for the student newspaper, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was the Daily Texan. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, the faculty had their faculty art show, mm-hmm. and I did a centerfold. Mm-hmm. You know the center. Right, of, right, right. The centerfold was my article mm-hmm. with photographs of the show. Uh, except that the editor or assistant editor of the paper and some other students were getting drunk on uh, bourbon that night (laughs) and they edited my uh, article without my knowledge and they had no idea what they were doing and they printed photographs upside down (laughs) and of course that came out (laughs) with my name on it. Oh my goodness. And at the same time we were having a conflict that had to do with the art show I told you about, I won't get into that. So I was given an F, and it was really for political reasons, and so I challenged the Mm -hmm. instructor, and we had a meeting with the dean, and we both, all three of us, the dean, and both the instructor and I agreed that I would get one semester to do one something piece, and my grade would be based on that piece. Uh And so I started this life-size Welding. Mm-hmm. Uh, its original form is totally different than what it is now. Oh originally, right. it was uh, actually it's not life size. It's larger than life. Mm-hmm. It, it stand, you know, maybe six, eight, or or a little bit taller oh. originally. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't have a face. Mm-hmm. And it was in mid stride, about to tumble over.
1: <laughs> okay.
4: Uh, its head was. Uh, a bracket unto which the who's who in American art institutions, you know, every year they put out volumes that are about this thick, who's who. Right. So the head was who's who Mm -hmm. in American art institutions Mm -hmm. and at its feet was going to be a uh, jar with paints or brushes and the idea was that uh the academic artist is more interested in the yeah. notoriety <laughs> and the accreditation rather than the art and he's oh. about to stumble oh, right. not oh, looking where he's going right. over his own implements and oh, possibly oh, even his own art. Oh, right. Um you know and I and that piece uh went around the country with me and it it was quite bothersome. I left it over in my parents' house. I got married and had a child and then I became fairly ill Mm -hmm. and for a time I thought I probably wouldn't survive. Anyway, so I survived Mm -hmm. and uh, as part of my uh, recovery I went and took this sculpture, Agony,
1: Mm -hmm.
4: and basically redid it now one of the things that happened was uh, i had a child a daughter mm-hmm. and uh... after her birth i i noticed i could not stand to witness violence mm-hmm. and at that time of course uh... we were invading iraq and all this stuff was happening mm-hmm. and so i mutilated uh the sculpture. Of course, I finished it first because mm-hmm. there was no way I could finish it originally in one semester even though I did get an A. It was still, parts of, course, of it were right. unfinished because mm-hmm. what I'm doing is I'm layering each uh, welding rod, heating it, bending it, welding it one at a time, one at a time. It mm-hmm. takes forever. Right. Go ahead. So the long and short of it is, uh I mutilated it and drove that big rod right through it. Its heart is torn out, and mm. it's obviously in agony yes
1: it's uh good.
4: to represent how crazy our our war and all all the insanity. well
1: <laughs> to talk to us about the dog the the painting of the dog uh
4: that that is doobie
1: Dooby, doobie yes yeah. yeah
4: when uh when I was growing up in Israel in uh Nego Desert, basically, Uh, we had a dog, Mm -hmm. my dad had a dog, whose name was Doobie, which Mm -hmm. in Hebrew means uh, my bear or little bear. Mm -hmm. And this was really a a pretty violent, aggressive dog. Even Mm -hmm. I was scared of him. (laughs) But nonetheless, that was the dog that I grew up with. Mm -hmm. And there was a reason for him to be the way he was. Mm -hmm. Uh, Step forward, numbers and numbers of years, my brother and I were breeding Dobermans, this was my puppy. He wound up trying to protect our property, mm-hmm. uh, being egged on by some yokels in Pasadena, Texas. He climbed a five-foot fence mm-hmm. just so he could go after these people, and they were riding motorcycles, and he, at chasing them, he got run over.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Through these stories, we've been exploring games and play. So, why do you play? An equally appropriate question would be How do you play? The discussion was fun and fascinating. The five mind games we began the program with are creditable to Tasha Cunningham and readily recognizable as games quite successfully played and quite often misunderstood. Games are the way we keep romance alive, says Helen Fisher, a Ph.D., author of The First Sex, suggesting that mind games are not necessarily the tools of the unscrupulous unsc- alone, but everyone. We decided to search a little deeper. Here are a few things we found. Tell us what you think. Every human initiative event has three components. Intention, operation, and outcome or effect. Our inability to capture the whole, as well as its parts, will leave us vulnerable to tricksters. Coffee shops are the new powerhouses, the new village square, the social network note points, a human portal. It's the place where the virtual and the live connect. At first blush, we encounter these juxtapositions in response to the question why we play games. That's whether you're a man, woman, boy, or girl, child, or geezer. To win? Not to lose, just want to have fun, to get the juices flowing. But is this it? Nope. These might be true or these might be masks, but the reason is definitely deeper. So here without discussion are the four deepest reasons why we play games in the coffee shop. It is important to note that two people might be playing the same game, but not necessarily similarly motivated, not necessarily after the same thing, even if it appears that they equally want to win. So here we go. One, power. To gain power, stature, to be bigger than the other, to be stronger, to be larger than life. In other words, influence and status. My daddy is bigger than your daddy. Two, control. To be in command, to ensure a predictable outcome, predictability of circumstance, predictability of surroundings. Control and command. To have the lever, to own the keys, to own. You. Now, who's your daddy? 3. Discovery. To explore, to inquire, to be enlightened, to expand, to learn, to understand, to be brighter, smarter, and wiser. Yo, I'm the daddy. 4. Destruction to break the rules, total autonomy, to tear down, to see what's next. Where's that daddy? Well, there you had it. Why do you play? Well, thank you, everyone, and uh, see you next week. Have a nice one.